This episode of the DNVR Broncos podcast is brought to you by Denver Rubber Company. You know that supporting local businesses in our blood, and we're excited to tell you about the Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. And guess what? Snow is coming. We've already had a taste of it. You're going to need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it's nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades. And we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, DRC Custom makes it all, and you can purchase your products yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with the loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them today for all of your snowplow needs at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands drinking the curves from mile high the best part of the weekend hugging the perfect string they become a friend Having a good time When the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in Every day With the good folks down DNVR Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast Presented by Strava Craft Coffee Make sure you use that promo code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. Broncos looked like they had uh, veins pumped full of Strava Craft coffee in the first half, but then they had that caffeine crash in the second half. And one good thing about Strava Craft coffee is you don't get the caffeine crash because you never get that jittery caffeine buzz. It's CBD infused. It'll keep you aware without getting you that that jittery caffeine uh, high that you might get. It lasts longer than 30 minutes, you could say. It does, it does <laughs> last longer than 30 minutes. Well, Actually, Zach, uh, I had an errand to run in the second half, so <laughs> just here to react to the win now that I'm back. Well, the good thing is I'm living in a first-half world, so it's good good vibes around here, isn't you're it? A, you're a first-half-full <laughs> type of guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. What, what just happened? And you know what? History would tell us that I could live in the first half. You can run all of your errands. Welcome home, by the way. Thanks. You can run all your errands, and guess what? You're not going to you're not going to miss anything because the Broncos would have won of course in the last 5 seasons teams were 0 and 99 or I guess flip it to the Broncos the Bron- the teams were 99 and 0 when having a 20 plus point lead at halftime I can tell you right now that means you have a 1% chance <laughs> Right Well the Minnesota Vikings made sure it was a 1% chance today Yeah they most certainly did and goodness gracious I don't know what just happened. Um, actually, is it that shocking? Were you ever at any point? Were you shocked at what was going on? No, no, I wasn't because when it's twenty zero, it's like okay, okay. But then I think right before half, I ask you, wait. Minnesota gets the ball at halftime. After halftime, right? It's like okay, could be twenty to seven after that, and then oh boy, there could still be twenty five minutes left of football, and then it just unfolded. But you know, you still have that feeling in, in your stomach that you're like, okay, it could keep going this way. Minnesota is going to have to play a near perfect second half for this to happen. That's why it's never happened before in the last five years. That's why no team has ever come back from 20 plus points at halftime. 
and uh, you still keep thinking, okay, well, something, something's going to happen. But it happened even quicker than we would have ever thought. Because then the Broncos, it's not like the Broncos last on the last play of the game, of which they did, but for a different reason, because the Broncos were down. We kind of thought it was going to have to happen with the Vikings coming back and throwing that touchdown to Stefan Diggs with no time left on the clock. But Minnesota played a perfect half. A perfect half of football, which means the Broncos quite literally played an awful half of football. Yeah, I, I mean they quite literally played. Well, they almost played a perfect half because the Broncos scored three points. Yep. Other than that, they were perfect. They outscored the Broncos twenty-eight to three in the second half. And there's a lot of places you can point here, and and uh, it started in one very specific place. And I hate to do this. Because the kid has played admirably, very admirably, uh, since he became the starter as a Denver Bronco. I, I think he's gutsy. I think he's got a little more juice than Joe Flacco did. I think he's a better option for this team than Joe Flacco. With that being said, the interception at the end of the half, when the Broncos had a chance to go up 27-0, unfortunately is where the whole thing started to turn on its head. And it's so odd how that that sort of stuff can happen in football, Zach. Um, because even at twenty to zero, it didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I tweeted mere seconds before he threw that interception. The Broncos have a chance to put the game away right now. They did, and they missed their chance. Yep, they missed their chance, and it turned into it ended up turning into nothing. It almost could have been more disastrous. But unfortunately, that's when it started to turn. Now, that doesn't mean it's all his fault. But that is what changed the momentum of the game. And it gave the Vikings that 1% chance. And that was all they needed. And you have Vic Fangio after the game saying, maybe we should have just ran the ball three times at the end of half and then kicked the field goal to make it. And when you have your head coach saying that type of stuff, that's not good for confidence for anyone. And, I mean... Hindsight is right. Vic Fangio, you should have done that. But, however, I've, I've seen people on Twitter saying, why didn't they do that? Come on, Ryan, neither you nor I nor anyone out there can say that the Broncos just should have need the ball and then kick the field goal at the end of half. But then what happened after that? The Vikings do get the ball to start the second half, and it takes them three minutes and 31 seconds to go down 75 yards, score an easy touchdown on the Broncos. The Broncos respond, get a field goal, thanks to another big play by the offense but then you're thinking okay okay up up 23-7 but wait are we at the point where we're trading touchdowns for field goals and then you're thinking oh no we're actually trending the Broncos are trending down because they only just got a field goal now and then it went that way the Vikings in the second half four for four they had four drives in the second half and they got four touchdowns and that includes two fourth down conversions on their own half of the field Yep. They knew where they were. They knew what it was. They, they pretty much knew we're going to have to score a touchdown on every drive this half, and they approached it that way. Kudos to them. They went and did it. Um, but, man, this happens to bad football teams. Like, like if the Vikings were up 20-0 to zero at the half, we right. would not have been saying, eh, I don't know if it's safe. Nope. nope. We it would have been, been game over. It would have been game over. But there's something that happens to teams with losing culture. Yep. I hate I hate to say it, but that's where the Broncos are. They have a losing culture that when one little piece starts to unravel, when one screw comes a little bit loose, 
and it starts vibrating out of there as the car's rolling down the road. Suddenly, another one comes loose, and another one comes loose, and another one comes loose, and before you know it, the wheels are off. And that's exactly what happened in this game, and you could feel it. Like you, yeah. is, it, it started with that interception, <laughs> yeah. but you could feel it when they scored the touchdown to go down 20-7. to 7, You're like, oh, it's just a 13-point game now. It's like the, there's nothing for them to even worry about. It, which it got to the point where we started saying, oh, my God. I turned to you and the Broncos were up, what was it, eight? No. Was it three? I don't know. Turned to you at one point when the Broncos were still winning the game, and I said, if you bet the Broncos plus 10 points, you're starting to sweat. <laughs> yeah. You're starting to sweat because you can feel everything going against them. And the second half moved very slow. I just kept looking up and being like, wow, there's so much time. There's so much time. There's so much time. Yep. Um, but, man, just an absolute meltdown, an absolute unraveling. And it happened in such a calm, slow bleed out way just like Dalton Reisner's nose yes it happened in such a way that it doesn't feel that um like it doesn't feel like it was this massive meltdown it just kind of feels like oh yeah the order was restored in the second half did we see the highest potential of this team and the lowest potential of this team in this game yeah 100 percent Yep. They played their best possible half in the first half and their worst possible half in the second half. Outside of one Brandon Allen interception. That, that's exactly, exactly it. And this team can not just hang with good teams. They can beat good teams. They can crush the soul of good teams up 20 to zero at halftime with, may I remind you, Brandon freaking Allen is their quarterback. And by the way, in the first half, he was not amazing he didn't have amazing stats he was in the first half Ryan when the Broncos were up 20 to 0 he was 7 for 17 104 yards one touchdown one pick and a 57 passer rating and the Broncos were up 20 to 0 at halftime that's how good this team can be now in the second half everything was bad not just not just the offense but the defense like I said, Minnesota scored four touchdowns on four possessions. Yeah, they're on a 56-point pace in the second half. It's that, not good. It's not winning you anything, no. ever. Uh, and I don't know what happened on defense. I, I know what happened on offense. Uh, one, you took Andy Janovich out of the equation, which was massive. Yeah. Um, it really slowed things down in the run game, and, and it made things a lot tougher for them on offense. Uh, and also, it was just bound to happen. Like it was a, it was a, it was a regression to the mean. I don't know what happened on defense because they held, they took away the run game, which I had been saying all week. If you take away the, if you take away the run game, you will win this game or at least hold them to a low number. But for some reason or another, it just opened up for the passing game, which is supposed to, the opposite is supposed to happen because you know they're one dimensional. You're supposed to be able to take that away, but. Devontae Harris had uh, a couple rough possessions. Chris Harris got toasted by Stephon Diggs. Um, it was a worst-case scenario for them on the, on the defense. All right, here's, here's what I want to ask you. Who is most at fault? Who deserves the most blame on their shoulders for this loss? The defense. Get more Specifically specific. there. I, I don't know because, it, just like you said, what happened? How did that happen? 
Oh my gosh, we loved Rich Gangarello's play calls. We loved everything about the offense in the first half. It was magnificent. And then they just don't go out and do anything. But the, the defense, how do you go from holding the Vikings to punt, 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 fumble, fumble, punt in the first half to four touchdown drives? How do you give that up? I don't know. And here's what Vic said. Vic just said, just poor execution. They beat us. Their pass game was better than was significantly better than our pass defense. And uh, maybe to an extent it's on Vic because Devontae Harris, well, I mean, definitely to an extent it's on Vic, but Devontae Harris got picked on, picked on, picked on, picked on. You switch, you put Isaac Adam in there. It's, what, what, what do you do? And then Chris gets beat. And after the game, Vic said there was supposed to be safety help over the top for, uh, for Chris. So this defense that has been so rock solid and just been getting better, especially in the secondary, just fell apart. Who's it on, Ryan? Mm, Vic Fangio. Yeah. He calls the defense. He's the head coach. Um, it's his job to make sure that they don't rest on their laurels in the second half. It's his job to keep them motivated. It, it falls on him, but there is plenty, and I mean plenty of blame to go around. Uh, it's Rich Gangarello's fault. I mean, dude, how? I, you know, <laughs> there's always, like, one thing that you point to, and this will, this will fall. Like, Miles Garrett, he's going to be followed around by smashing someone with a helmet for the rest of his career. Yep. Rich Gangarello, he's going to be followed around by Noah Fant end-arounds. Until, you know. Why? I don't know. Why? Everything was working in the first half because you know why? He was doing things he hadn't done this year. He was doing, he was being creative. He was being fun. And in the second half, he said, see this play that I drew up to start the season. It's going to work. Nope. Nope. Didn't work. And he was, it was a new variation. (laughs) He has three variations of Noah Fant end arounds. Is there a fourth, do you think? Up his sleeve, deep up his maybe in the armpit? I only pray <laughs> that we never find out. But it's funny because and I've gone back to this before. I I told fans I wrote in one of our training camp observations. I said there is a whole package of plays designed just for Noah Fant and it, it is it is pretty vast. All plays designed just get the ball in the guy's hands who weighs 250 pounds and runs a 4-5. It's pretty good. In theory, it seems to make sense. And, the, and they actually used uh, a couple of these successfully today. Um, one being the little shovel pass. Should have worked better. Uh, did they, they ended up kicking the field goal there. Shouldn't have done that. Um, there's a whole package of plays like that. But Rich Gangarello, man, it, it worked the first time you ran it, negative five. That was in week one. Yep. The second time you ran it today, that was the little uh, window dressing with Deontay. Uh, Deontay well, Spencer. I'm, Spencer. Yep. I wanted to say Jackson. Uh, Deontay Spencer. You want you got, want to get the whole defense seeing him, and then Fant cuts it back inside. That was negative two. And then you ran another one. Another one on a critical down, man. This isn't like a, we just crossed the 50. I'm feeling myself type of play this was a third and one at the 50 they ran it again for negative six three plays zach for negative 13 yards and you still go back to it that's bad it's it, it's really bad and ryan how about this can we blame 
Andy Janovich and not actually put blame on him, but look what happened in this game when you lost Andy Janovich. When you had Andy Janovich, field goal, punt, touchdown. Andy Janovich, touchdown, punt, field goal. 20 points right there. When you lose him, you throw an interception, you do get a field goal, punt, miss field goal, end of game. How important was Andy Janovich in this game? We've said that since he came back. Like, the day he came back, it was like, whoa, the running game is much better now. Yep. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they what their counterpunch is because the whole Andrew Beck thing, like, to plug the hole in a short term, they thought they were only going to be without him, what, four weeks? Yep. That's fine. Um, but to then... Now, if you're going to lose him for the season, which unfortunately it looks like is the case, you need a fullback, yeah, a real fullback. So I'm sure there's plenty out there because only a few teams use them. Go find yourself a real fullback if you want to, you know, if you want to keep running the ball, which is a huge part of this offense. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It it just didn't feel like that them not being able to run the ball ended up losing them the game. It just. It was it was certainly a combination of stuff, but it was bad play calling on both sides and a sense of impending doom. And I think that's a big part of it, too. And it's why I talk so much about losing culture. It's when things start to go bad for bad teams, they get worse because they you you are they were thinking the same thing that we were thinking. Yep. It's it's true. It's human nature. It's human nature to start thinking, oh, my God, did the did the momentum just turn right in front of us? Yep. So I blame Vic Fangio. It, it does come on his shoulders, but it is certainly not only his fault. And how about this, Ryan? Talking about the losing culture and being able to overcome these things, um, Chris Harris was asked about this after the game, this type of stuff. And w- w- it was phrased in, Chris, in 2015, when you guys won the Super Bowl, you knew how to win these games. You didn't let these things slide away. You knew how to pull them out at the end. Is that something that you're still working on? Is that something overrated? Is that something that we don't know about? And uh, he said, no, we have to learn. This is a brand new team. Stop talking about Super Bowl 50. This doesn't happen overnight. And then he said, what? That team, Super Bowl 50 team, was together for, what, four years? And, of course, there were some pieces added, but that kind of hit me. Look, Chris is telling us, Chris is telling you, John Elway, that Broncos are a couple years away still. And Chris didn't say it happens over the course of a season. He didn't say it happens over the course of an offseason. He says it happens over years. And that's where the Broncos are, is you see the flashes. We saw the flashes today, the highest of highs, also the lowest of lows. That's what hit me the most after this game was Chris kind of saying it's going to be a while until maybe not until the Broncos can ever win games like this, but until the Broncos can consistently win these games and be a really good team. Because right now they're they're not close. And we saw it that four years. That, that's a significant number. What started that four years? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. <laughs> and that's what started the whole thing. But it is true. They even that team. With Peyton Manning, still had to figure it out. They were just at a further step. They were already at the, okay, now we have to figure out how to win in the playoff step the second they got Peyton Manning. But it's true. There are steps to this. Um, 
it's also true that we might look back and say it's a good thing they lost that game because they would have fallen out of the top 10 of the draft order had they won that game. Hallelujah. Now they're up to seven. <laughs> they're, the top five is in their sights. All right. Um, so, But Peyton Manning is significant because, of course, he plays the most important position in sports. He is the quarterback. And the Broncos have an interesting situation at quarterback. I want to talk more about that, but first... Shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Shout out to Strawberry Sky. Still good. Still holds up even in the winter. Whew, it's undefeated. It is. Spring. Or I guess we haven't had in the spring, but summer, fall, and winter. Are you much a are you a seasonal beer drinker? Like do you, does does your taste in beer change based on the weather? I can always do the light beers. I can always do the light, flavorful ones like this. I do save the 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 porters of the world for winter, but strawberry sky all the time. That's a, you make a good point. It's not that I uh, am down to drink um, it's not that I'm down to drink just like heavy stouts in the summer, yep. but I definitely don't get to the winter and think like, got to put the, the nope. light beer on the shelf. So nope. sh- strawberry sky still holds up, still really good. Make sure you check out the Breck brew event calendar on our website. We got tons of cool stuff going on. Uh, thanks to Breck brew. They're an awesome, awesome partner. And, uh, and also awesome, awesome partners, the green solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now, go to their website at mygreensolution.com, order your flower concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest green solution for pickup and make sure you use the code DNVR 20 for 20% off. That's the special magical code DNVR 20 for 20% off your entire purchase. You're probably wanting some sort of vice <laughs> after that game, and so whatever uh, whatever suits you. Beer, maybe you want to head to Total Beverage, <laughs> yep. some whiskey, Green Solution, uh, wherever it is, we got we got a deal for you. Okay, Brandon Allen, give him a grade. What was he today? A C minus. Yeah. What's your and grade? that's on the curve. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, it's a C it's a low C yeah. even with the curve. Yeah. Um if Brandon Allen wasn't making his second start against a really good defense, he's getting a low D, maybe an F in this game. Gosh, you're right. You're right. You're not wrong for giving him a below seventy percent on this because like I said, even in the first half when the team is doing great, Brandon Allen wasn't doing that great. Seven completions. Boy, wasn't it completely different in the first half? Brandon Allen wasn't really having a good statistical game, and the Broncos were doing great. Kirk Cousins, I mean, his stats weren't great, but he was like 7 for 8 in the first half or something like that, or 11 for 12 in the first half, and his team was doing awful. And then in the second half, when Brandon Allen has to do things, when he has to make plays, it just wasn't there. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, it's funny because he was one completion at the end, away from us saying like, oh, gamer two and oh yeah he two comes and up oh. in the clutch gamer makes a clutch <laughs> throw and honestly tim patrick probably should have caught that one on first down yep so oh what if he just cuts it up and finishes the run and gets into the end zone or if he's just smarter and gets out of bounds and they have four chances at it then we're definitely living in a second half or a first half world with a couple seconds on it in the second half yep yep they would have survived um what i okay here's i learned a few things today I learned that Joe Flacco was a literal anchor on this boat. Could not set sail with him. <laughs> Just 500 pounds of iron. You couldn't even make it away from the dock. No. You're tied. The ropes are tied. He's the rope, <laughs> the anchor. He's got the captain held hostage. <laughs> uh, like, 
Rich Gangarello is a captain? Yes. Yeah. Um, Joe Flacco was actively hurting this team's ability to win football games. But then wasn't Joe Flacco also the crank that, that brings the anchor in? Because then once the anchor's up, it's not like the anchor then pushes the boat away. No, you have someone else take the boat away. Joe Flacco kind of lit the fire under Rich to say, "Look, you got to be more conservative or more less conservative, more aggressive," and that's what they were able to do with Brandon Allen. Yeah, it's true. They were they got more aggressive, and that helped a lot. Um, but just look at the way that like he's getting the ball to the playmakers. Yeah, I don't know what I, it's, let me the, it's the Ryan Koningsberg formula, isn't it? Yes, it is. Check this out, Zach. Eight games. Eight full games. Eight full games. Half a season. Half of a season. Noah Fant with Joe Flacco as the quarterback, 185 receiving yards. Two games. That's one-eighth of a season if we're still on the fraction thing. <laughs> Two games with Brandon frickin' Allen, 176 oh, my receiving yards. Goodness. Essentially the same yep. in two games. And wait, this was Joe Flacco that loves tight ends, The guy right? that loves tight ends. <laughs> Who was he throwing to? Oh, yeah, Royce Freeman. Yep. That's who he was throwing the ball to. Danger Royce. Wow. I like that. I like that. Oh, God. Don't even get me started on Devontae Booker inside handoff on third and seven. I think I need to get you started on that. Speaking of Rich Scangarello. But Brandon Allen comes in. He's giving the ball to the playmakers. He throws one up for Cortland Sutton early in the game. 42-yard catch. He throws one up for Cortland Sutton in the red zone later, or in the scoring zone, as we like to call it later. Uh, Pass interference, ball on the one-yard line. Yep. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to get it to Cortland at the end. He says it's double coverage. I don't really care. Just give him a chance, in my opinion. Uh, but honestly, those other guys should have been able to make the plays. Like Tim Patrick, make that catch. Noah Fan on second down. I haven't really seen a good look at that one yet, so I don't know. Third down, Noah Fan, make the catch. Still would have liked to see Cortland. But the, the point being, Brandon Allen simplifying it. He's like, that guy's good. That guy's good. Uh, mismatch, mismatch. Let me go to them. So that's what I learned. I also unfortunately learned that the Brandon Allen hype train was short-lived and, and unwarranted. Did he show you enough to be a backup quarterback? Yeah. And yeah, I like him as a backup quarterback. That was the realistic expectations for this. Okay, we'll get two to four games, or I guess maybe about three games with Brandon Allen to see if he can be the backup. If number two is number two on the Broncos depth chart next year going into training camp, totally fine with that. He has done enough. I think he's gained players' respect, confidence enough yeah. and, and respect in the coaches as well where he can be the backup, but that's what he is. Ryan, get ready for this number. Completion Uh-oh. percentage, 43.6%. Nope. That, I don't want that. That won't <laughs> get it done. And then also, you may want to cut him a little slack for this, but when you're the starting quarterback in the NFL, the Broncos really should have had all four plays at the, at the very end of the game, instead of just three. Brandon Allen makes a fantastic read on fourth and one to keep the ball. Sidelines right there, buddy. Sidelines right there. So, no, no, what are you doing? Get out! Stays in bounds, which was bad. Actually, here's the real reaction. <laughs> he fakes the handoff. Oh! Beats the guy to the edge. Oh! Cuts upfield. Oh! <laughs> Then you see him run into a dude. No! <laughs> like, there, I, I know exactly how he felt. Yeah. He saw the dude on the edge. He was like, oh, my God. Really turned on the Jets. Yep. Got to the edge, turned his body, 
saw pay dirt. Yeah. And in yep. the second that he saw the end zone, <laughs> he was thinking, I'm faster than these guys. <laughs> every bit of logic left his brain because he, f- he wanted to be the hero. And I, it's human nature. Yep. I understand it. But he wanted a helicopter s- into the end yes. zone. <laughs> but the second that he, that he was contacted, I guarantee you, he said, oh, Lord, what have I done? Zach, there were 26 seconds on the clock. When he went down inside the 10-yard line, do you know how much time was on the clock when the Vikings unexplicably called a timeout and bailed the Broncos out, gave them an extra play? Ten. Ten. Uh, how in God's name? It's first down, too. Let yes. me remind you. How in God's name do 16 seconds run off the clock in an, in a absolute dire scenario where were they was that the five yard line the four yard line yeah right right about there that's on everyone if you're rich gangarello and you're vic's right hand man in terms of game management you're saying timeout 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 well, no timeout they had one timeout no they had none left at that point no timeouts yes oh well then you got to run to the line and spike it you have to you have to right away because then you have more time for those three plays but brandon allen really should run out of bounds that's when you situationally have to be aware. Again, it's his second start. It's on the road. It's a crazy time you're coming back. But that's, to be a gamer, you got to know that. Yeah, un- unfortunate thing. And, and what, okay, let's put that together with, um, didn't, wasn't there a game early in the season? Oh, Emmanuel Sanders. What happened? There was something wrong with the clock management. Oh, yeah, there's been many. He needed to uh, stay inbounds. Yep. And he went out of bounds. Yep. And they and that because of that, that's why the Bears had enough time to go down and score. Then uh, there was another one. Oh, Chris Harris. Yep. Needed to not touch the dude. Yep. So now there's been three. What's that? Death by what? <laughs> death by seconds, mini seconds. Yes, death by milliseconds, but also death by inches. That is, to me, that's death by inches. That's little mental errors that end up costing you football games. And how about this, Ryan? After Thursday night's football game on Friday, of course, when Miles Garrett went off, um, Vic was asked, do you talk to your players? Have you talked to your players after this game about making sure you don't have any of those dumb penalties that'll cost you games and suspensions? And he says, from day one, I've talked to them about not having those mistakes, not going off, and I'm proud of it because we don't have any post-snap penalties. Well, this is different, but this is the exact same thing that Vic was talking about in terms of fundamentals and the basics of the game. Your team, if you made those three plays properly, maybe the, maybe the outcomes don't change, but they certainly give you a much higher chance of winning those games. What if you win all three of those games and the Broncos are at three and seven right now, then you are at six and four right now, not playing better football, playing three plays of smarter, smarter football. football. So, what's up with that? That's death by inches. Yep, it's death by inches, and and I don't know. I don't know if it's on Vic Fan. Like, for me, it's really hard. It takes some mental gymnastics to take a player's mental error and then put it on the coach. Um, but I will say, when it happens repeatedly, then it's a lot easier for me to turn around and say, Are they going over situational football enough? It's not easy at the end of the game to, when you're losing, to think we should run more clock. 
Right. But if you're coached properly, you know the situations in which you should you need to run more clock. You know, that was the Broncos were going to get the ball at the uh, five-yard line or something when Emmanuel Sanders did that. There was over a minute on the clock. You don't need to stop the clock there. At that point, it's yardage versus time. You don't need a minute to go that far. Um, Chris Harris Jr., that play started with nine seconds on the clock. There's a long scramble in there. In your head, if you are a situational football master, you're thinking, okay, this has been a very long play. If I just don't touch him, is the clock just going to run out? Yep. Uh, and then, of course, this one. Brandon Allen, I, I know what happened in his head, and, and I understand it. It's, it makes sense. He wanted to score. He thought he had a chance to score, and he just forgot about everything else. But again, if you are a, a expert at situational football – you get the first down, and what you do is you head right out towards the sideline. And everything that happens from there is fine because you know I can't be brought down unless I'm out of bounds. Yep. So that's three losses there on – and I don't know if you can call this one on that. Because even if he goes out of bounds, it's 26 seconds. You get four plays instead of three. Does that one – we can't guarantee that. No. No, certainly not. But you certainly – it helps, though, yeah. and, and, in crunch time. Right, and, and remember, 10 seconds on the clock, they're lucky they got three plays. The average play d- takes a little bit longer than three seconds per play. Yep. So they got lucky that they had that much time, and even then it affects the play calling, right? Mm-hmm. 26 seconds, there's, nothing that could, there's no play that could take too long. You know, you could do a, a rollout, whatever it is. 10 seconds, you're basically, you have to do exactly what they did, which is just throw fades. I've got a question for you, Ryan. Were uh, the lack of penalties called in those final three plays, is that going to cost Brandon Allen a career in the NFL as a starter? Is that going to derail Brandon Allen potentially being the guy next year as opposed to getting benched likely after the Buffalo Bills game? No, we very clearly saw in this game that that Brandon Allen is not the guy. Yeah. Um, and again, I, I, maybe that's a little too harsh because it's still just his second start in the NFL. And if Drew Locke had his first start and that second start, we'd be excusing it. We really would. Yep. We'd be saying, "Oh man, well if the defense could have just bowed their back, you know, we would be we'd be blaming it more on the defense if Drew." And that's just the truth, and that's me being pretty self aware and and fully admitting that. But. In the end, it doesn't look – it didn't look good. It wasn't pretty at all. And so I think with that loss, week 13 is the time. Week 13 is the time that we see Drew Locke. Personally, if it was up to me, I'd say stop waiting around. Just start him next week at Buffalo. But I think we can generally guess pretty well that they're not going to do that. So I, I think it's week 13. Ooh. Why would you not? What do you? Why would you want to keep seeing Brandon Allen at that point? You're probably going to be three and eight. Although they could definitely beat the Bills. I mean, we just saw them. They should have beat the Vikings. They can beat the Bills, but you're probably going to be three and eight. Don't be silly. Don't be silly. And you know what? Some people say the magic number is seven in terms of losses. Some people say it's eight. Do not say it's nine yeah, or it's double nine. digits. It it can't be. There's no reason not to play Drew Locke in week 13. Here's the thing, though, Ryan. If they win next week, 
Are you going to bench your starting quarterback after a road win against a winning team? Oh, God. Will they? Not, not will you. I shouldn't say will you. Will they? Two and one. Two and one. Exactly. Two and one, and your defense you blew it yeah. in the second half of that loss. Not the quarterback. You're right. <laughs> you are right. Oh, man. I hate making this argument. I know, but it's the truth. They're not going to bench him. They're not going to bench him at 2-1. and one. Should be 3-0. and oh. So you are in a very weird place as a Broncos fan because it is as, sh- as clear as day that if, the Bron- if you want Drew Locke to play and you want a five-game sample size on him, that means playing in two weeks against the Chargers at home in Week 13. Broncos got to lose next week. If Broncos lose next week, then you convince yourself – Oh, come on. Brandon Allen was 1-2. and two. Uh, He didn't do anything in that second half in the Vikings game. You convince yourself. It's easy. The kid's going to play at home before two tough road games, but he's going to get his first start at home. Easy. Next if week. you want the Broncos to win, you're saying, bye-bye, Drew Locke. We maybe get to see three games of you. It's a must-lose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're going to win. They're going to win. <laughs> Guarantee it. <laughs> Uh, and the Bills, well, the Bills played the Dolphins today, so every team but the Jets looks good when they play the Dolphins. No, I guess the Colts, too. Colts look bad when they play the Dolphins, but. Yeah, yep. It's a must-lose game. The Broncos are going to win. Because also, <laughs> also, if you lose that game. That's how the Broncos' seasons have gone the past four years. Yeah. Yep. Uh, also, if they lose that game, they're creeping towards the top five pick, which in all like in all reality is the best thing that, that can have in this season other than Drew Locke going undefeated. It'd be tremendous. Or Drew Locke just balling out yep. in general. Yep. Um wow. Must lose game coming up next week. <laughs> How's that sitting? You got a smile <laughs> on your bad. face. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, I just realized the Broncos are going to win, so <laughs> I guess put so your put money your down. Money on yeah. It. <laughs> um the the lock clock should be ticking down. I mean, personally, I'd say, you know, it doesn't matter what happens next week. Start them in week 13, but we know they're not going to think that way. Uh, and it might even be a hard sell to the locker room at that point if Brandon Allen goes out and win. Although I'm sure there's some people in that locker room thinking, that Brandon, knowing that Brandon Allen had a pretty bad game today. <laughs> Ryan, here's the thing. It should hit you in the face if it hasn't already. Chris Harris after the game saying that this team, it takes years. I mean, not, not exactly his words, but it takes years to build the, to, to understand as a team how to win. And Chris, the, the way he was talking made it feel like this is a team that can come together and take those strides. It takes years most likely and typically to get that rookie quarterback in and and let him be a first-year starter, get those mistakes out of the way. The Broncos players are saying it throughout this season that let's get this thing going so that everything can start from, from zero or maybe the Broncos are at, you know, 22 right now to get up to 100 instead of, you know, starting something at 22 and then next year starting another one of those at 15 and then it just you're just off the whole time. No, let's just let's do this now. And John, it's not a full rebuild because you have a lot of good pieces in place so you don't have to admit that it's a rebuild. You're starting at in the 20s making way to 100, you're not building down and starting from zero. If yeah. if, if that's a positive. Right, you don't necessarily need the wrecking ball. Yeah. You yeah you just need to admit that you ha- that you're starting from square one or square two. Yep. Um, what else can happen in the youth movement? It's Drew Lock for sure. I mean, we need Drew Lock. 
I was thinking about this. There's really not that many more buttons you can press. Everyone else is playing. Juwan Winfrey. But right. that's not, you know, he might have a couple catches here and there. Yep. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah. The, the youth movement is one player. It's, and it's happening already. I mean, the, the youth movement has, they've done a good job getting everyone else involved. They've just been pushing the brakes on Drew for way too long. Yeah, you probably stop making Demarcus Walker inactive. Um, you get him healthy. Yep. Um, you play Drew Locke. You, I mean, do you have to keep giving Isaac Yadam chances just to know for sure? You got it. I want them to decide on Isaac Yadam or Devontae Harris because any young quarterback, a cornerback, is going to get beat. But what I don't really like, but I like when they pulled the plug on Isaac Yadam earlier in the season. Devontae Harris has been pretty darn good up until now. He was getting picked on, so Fangio did something, and, and he pulled him, put Isaac Yadam in. I want the Broncos to decide on one of those guys the rest of the season, say, look, kid, you're staying out there. Unless it gets like really, 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 really bad, which it wasn't really, really, really bad today. If it gets like that, then you make a switch. But I just want to see confidence in one guy and see if he can be the second corner this year. I think uh, this was a case. I think it's Devonta Harris. I think this was a case of a young pitcher's getting shelled, and you just got to get him out of there so his confidence doesn't get completely shaken. And that's fine if that's what that was. And but he was fine in the first half too. It's just they kind of found a spot where he was weak in the second half and just kept going to it. And again, I just think Vic was like, we got to get him out of there for his own safety. Yep. Yep. Uh, which I think was probably the right move. Um, weird though. It's just Drew Locke. That's like all we're waiting on here. And I think we, I think today solidified it's week 13, but now you got me all worried. <laughs> now you got me all messed up. Better be cheering for that L next week, Ryan. All right. There was uh, an interesting report that came out today, Zach. Uh, just before the game, and I want to get to that. But first, as you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important, and our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, an x-ray, and an exam. That's right. You just got to take care of your teeth, and Green Mountain Dental will hook up a free Sonicare toothbrush. Check them out today online, or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. All right, Zach, well, I'm sure you see it. You saw it. And I'm sure most of Broncos country saw it today. Uh, Jason Lockenfora of CBS, I believe, comes out with a report essentially saying that Vic Fangio is causing, uh, what was the word, strife yep. in uh, the Broncos organization. Uh, he suggests that there is a big disconnect between the offense and defense, that Vic Fangio, quote, disagrees with every offensive play call. Um, and that the players don't like how brash he is. Did I miss anything? Um, that that's pretty much it. Um, not being able to connect with players, not being able to connect oh, with right. coaches. Something about how he didn't want to talk. He never wanted to talk to anyone about anything but football. Yep, yep. And so Ryan, honestly, the headline of this article was way less intense than all of the punches that were in the article. And when you read this article and uh, he lists multiple sources on a lot of things. And if you believe and buy into all of it, Ryan, you have to say Vic Fangio is doing an awful job as a head coach outside of what he's done with the defense on the field. That's, that's essentially what he's saying with, with everything that he's gathered. Let me ask, let me take that a step further. If you believe this, do you think Vic Fangio has to be fired? 
how what's the def- how could you defend against him? Yeah. What's your defense for him? I mean, your de- I guess your defense would have to be like we're gonna talk to him <laughs> and, and change everything about him. <laughs> we're gonna talk to him and tr- try to tell him like he needs to be nicer next year. <laughs> yeah. John comes into his office and says, "Hey, Vic, take a seat, crack open this Breck brew while we talk about this," and says, "Don't change what you're doing with your defense, but change everything else about yourself." You had you knew what you were getting, and so yeah. uh, uh, I guess I'll, let's just boil this down. Do you buy it? I buy some of the things. Um, I buy that Fangio is a football guy and a 99% football guy through and through. And it, am I saying that he never asked Mike Munchak how his grandkids in Colorado are doing? Uh, not necessarily. Am I buying that he never asks Rich Scangarello how you know his social life is? Uh, not necessarily. But I don't think, um, you know, oh, who was Peyton Manning's coach? Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy was a family man. He knew everything about all of his guys. You you hear the same um, with Greg Popovich. He knows everything about the personal lives of all of his players, even though he comes across as not that guy. Vic Fangio kind of comes across similar to Greg Popovich, not not as intense, but I don't think he's, you know, as lovey-dovey with players and coaches. Is that the worst thing in the world? It can be if things go wrong and it can be spun just like, Maybe this is spun, maybe it's not. But it can be spun in a bad way. Um, but if the Broncos are winning, is it a bad thing? No, it, it's not. Uh, here's what I'll say on that specific part, which I think you're referencing the part where he says something like, Vic doesn't want to talk about anything but football with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't buy it uh, because I've spent time with Vic Fangio, and I've also spent time with people who are like only football people. Vic, Fan- like, Vic Fangio wants to talk about other sports. He watches the most recent game. Whatever, you know, if there's a basketball game on national TV, he probably caught a piece of it. You know, you can talk to him about other stuff. And it's funny because that was a huge knock on Kyle Shanahan. That was like the big, right. uh, the big negative was like all Kyle Shanahan ever wants to do is be in his office watching film and drawing up plays. Yep. I've spent time with Kyle Shanahan. That's BS. <laughs> you know, yeah. like Kyle Shanahan's just one of the guys and Vic Fangio just a little bit older is also just one of the guys. So I don't, I specifically don't buy that part. I do buy the fact that he is very brash and a little bit grumpy and that can rub some people the wrong way, but rubbing, rubbing people the wrong way is very different than like causing strife within the organization. I can tell you very specifically that there was a player in training camp who did not like the way that Vic was approaching things. Did not like the way they were being talked to. Didn't like the fact that there was never any praise and not enough praise thrown around. Didn't like that. And that's funny because when I, when I read this, I was like, I kind of heard this stuff back in training camp. That same player who did not like Vic in training camp loves Vic now. Loves him. Uh, thinks he's a genius. All those, you know, the, the godfather, all those, you know, things that you heard about from people in Chicago, it just took him a little while to get used to it. And also he needed to see how good Vic Fangio was at calling defense and those sort of things. So mm-hmm. that when my first thought was like, this seems like an old story. Uh, my other thought, and, and this is, that was information. This is just me guessing. It sound it reads when I read the story, like one person who's very upset over something. That's the way it reads. Don't know if that's true. That's purely speculation and guessing on my part. But it does read to me like, 
one person on the offensive side of the ball who isn't happy with Vic Fangio. And speaking of those people, he said Emmanuel Sanders and him had, you know, the disconnect and the falling out. That's not really a surprise for, for anyone. So I do buy that part because we know that, that, that that's true now. Don't you want a coach who doesn't put up with BS, though? Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally do. Like, I, you shouldn't, Emmanuel Sanders shouldn't be able to walk all over the head coach. Yeah. And if he starts throwing a fit, the head coach should be able to say, go F yourself. Yeah. And here's another part about the offensive side that makes me laugh initially, but it's a huge problem if it's true. And I have nothing to back this up and say that it is true. In here, it says there's a negative reaction to almost every offensive play call. Do you know how many play calls there are in a game? 50, 60, 70? What are we? We're 10 games in now. So there's 600 play calls, and Vic Fangio hasn't liked nearly all of them? Well, huge. I mean, that would be the biggest issue in here is just the massive disconnect between the offense, the defense, the head coach, the offensive coordinator. That would be crazy. That seems... That seems too extreme. That it, would be wild if that's true. And that and that's one of the things that I read, and I'm like, this is someone who's upset and exaggerating. Right. You know? Um, there's just no way that Vic Fangio's sitting there, and they're like, you know, he calls in a play, and he's just like, ugh. <laughs> every t- nearly every time. <laughs> Unless he just knows the personnel is so bad that they can't execute anything. <laughs> he actually doesn't know what the lingo means on offense. He just yeah. hears it. He's like, "Oh, not every this time." One. He, every time he thinks about a play being called, he's just like, "Ugh." Didn't sound good. Holding seventy-two probably coming right up. <laughs> Which was an issue today, right? Didn't we get one of those? There was one. Yep. It was offset. Yep. And then we had a false start, which was actually brutal. Yeah, third and one. Yep, to third and six. Third and six. Definitely brutal. Um, so yeah, in the end, I think there is there is a little bit of truth to it. On the whole, I just think it's it does sound like it's a little bit of a narrative being taken out of an opinion. This sounds like a three and now seven football team, and uh, it's interesting, Ryan. When they were up twenty to zero, I think I looked at you and said, "Boy." That Jason Lockaforan article is not going to be talked about this week. When they blew it, oh, well, this is going to be, you know, a top story. Uh, he's going to be asked about this tomorrow. Players are going to be asked. Chris was asked after the game, and Chris said, that's totally BS. Mm, we like love it. Vic. And I imagine that's going to be the response from all of the defensive players. And I was just going to say, did they ask anyone <laughs> on offense? We will this week, and we'll, we'll see what they say. May, may, I imagine they'll play the company line and say that they absolutely love him. The honest-to-goodness truth is, they just may not, the offensive players may not know Vic as well as the defensive guys. Actually, they for sure don't know him well enough. Or not, not well enough, but as much. And that's okay. That's why you brought Vic in, is to handle the defense, let Rich do his stuff on offense. There's one person who might ha- have given you the spicy answer. Do you know who it is? I th- I th- I'm thinking of two. All right. Give me your, give me your best guess. Well, there's two. There's one person who's given a spicy answer this year on the offensive side of the football. Joe Flacco. Yep. 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 If he was around, maybe he's the one who would say there's some frustration. Maybe he's the source. I don't know. He could be. Another guy is Emmanuel Sanders. Could be. We know he doesn't – not too fond of the Broncos, not too fond of Vic Fangio. 
Yeah, those two guys, multiple sources. Yeah, if they were around, I think that, that that's that would be your best guess. I still don't think anyone on offense is going to say, yeah, we don't like Coach Fangio. Or, <laughs> or, yeah, it's weird how he always grunts after every play call. Um, Someone say, who? Yeah. But, but uh, in the end, I think this will be something that will just blow away. I think so, too. Or, you know, if you want to buy this, and uh, you can pick out things from here, Ryan, and you can say to yourself, you can say, hmm, maybe that's why Vic has never been a head coach and never got the opportunities because he was a great defensive coordinator, but those general managers, they knew what he was like behind the scenes. That's why the Bears didn't hire him. That's why they went with Matt Nagy. So this is something that you can you can say it, you can buy into a lot of it, you can push back a lot of it, and the fact that nothing else has come out I think is is pretty significant today. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. We will watch. Um, it's not – I don't know. It, it. I don't – I think that the Broncos, especially John Elway, knew what he was getting in Vic Fangio. And I think this is the type of attitude he kind of wanted to coach this football team. Mm-hmm. And I also think that Vic Fangio, over time, will move out guys who don't respond to the way that he coaches and move in guys that do or, or that he thinks will. So part of the process that takes years, like we've got all these pieces leading up to, huh? Yep. And other than that, because I know that you have mentioned that quite a few times here, what what do you leave this new fun way for the Broncos to lose? Uh, what how, What's your overarching feeling as we head into the next week here? good kind of though because it's so hard to say that you should feel good after this but in reality even when the Broncos were winning Brandon Allen was not playing good and you have to find out about Drew Locke and also if Drew Locke is not the guy Ryan don't put yourself at number 12 in the draft don't put yourself next week number 15 in the draft put yourself at number five because when they were up 20 to zero at halftime in my brain I was thinking no chance are the Broncos getting a quarterback, a top quarterback next year? Because I don't believe that John Elway is going to trade two, three first-round picks to move from 17 to five to get one. Now if you're sitting at seven, now you're in a good spot. If Drew Locke's a guy, then sure, win the final five games. Go three and two, go two and three. Get that a 12th to 17th pick. If Drew Locke's not the guy, well, you don't have to worry about it. You're going to be in the top five. You're going to be at six at worst. So in the end, good for the long-term future of this organization. Yeah, that that's a it's a hard um it is. It's a hard take to have after such a heartbreaking loss. And I and I almost tweeted something about like hey, the good thing is we'll probably look back at this when the Broncos are picking and say, "Oh, thank God they lost that Vikings game." But I, people didn't want to hear that today. If, but if, it's the truth. If they would have got their the blows doors blown off of them, then it would be easy to say that. And it'd be easy for people to understand. But for this whole next week, including next week's game, all you're going to hear is one in 99. And that's what the Broncos became today. Wow. Yeah. That's going to be like <laughs> first segment sports center. Yeah. Come, <laughs> yeah. come back of the, of the last half decade. Because as CBS loved to remind us all afternoon was, Look, the Vikings, they're the team that everyone's talking about. They're the hot team. Look what the Broncos are doing. And, yep, they become the team that, again, everyone is talking about. Crazy. Uh, a couple questions we got here. Uh, Trev chimed in and asked us uh, if we will please talk about Chris Harris and the big plays he gave up. Yeah, he did. Um, the 
general feeling out there is that he was supposed to have safety help over the top. Um, I know a, a lot of people are sick of hearing excuses like that, <laughs> but when it comes from a lot of different angles, I don't know if Chris said it, um, but Ryan Clark tweeted it. Vic Fangio said it. So I think he actually was supposed <laughs> to have is, safety. This is incredible. Chris, how, how he just, he does get away with these. Yeah. Um, but, but Vic said it, so I got to believe it. Maybe it honestly is just the truth. Yeah. Chris Harris never does anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. And when he gets beat, it's always someone else's fault. And I'm, I, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I'm being serious. It, it, and we have a joke about it. Anytime Chris gets beat, the first thing we say is, well, whose fault was it? It couldn't have been his. <laughs> but, and apparently it wasn't. Right. This time it actually, like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, maybe it, it really isn't ever his fault. Yeah. Um, was there another big play that he gave up? I know there was a, another completion. Yeah, I don't think it was a huge Oh, it was the Diggs one, but that was a zone coverage, and it wasn't even in his sector right. of the zone. Right. So I think he just gave up that one. It's obviously a huge one. Yep. He got – as I've never seen him beat that badly. No. Um, so, again. And wasn't that the guy that Chris said wasn't going to beat him deep? Uh, that one stings. That stings <laughs> for Chris. He's, he said he, that Savon Diggs isn't fast like a lot of the other guys. He's He's not a burner. And he's, he literally said, he can't burn us like those guys oh, can or something like that. Oh, boy. <laughs> and he got, I mean, just yeah. flat cooked. But again, I guess Justin Simmons was supposed to be there. Yep, yep, yep. Next one coming in from Bad188. He says, why do these, why, why do they do these fant swamps? Sweeps. Sweeps. I have no idea. And it better, they better just be done after three. It was a nightmare. You missed on all three. Don't. Never again. For the love of God. Never. I literally mean for the entirety <laughs> of his career, never again. Especially because you know he's good at catching passes. So it's not like you're like, oh, gosh, we got to make sure this guy isn't a true bust. We got to have him do something. No, he's good at catching passes. He's also still developing as a blocker, as we found out. Well, as we confirmed again today. Maybe just have him do what he does does well. What do you do? Do what, what he, he does. Do well. <laughs> just do what you do. Um, you know, have you ever heard about how, like, um, in the rain, turkeys look up and <laughs> then they drown? No. There's like this whole thing about turkeys. Oh my gosh. Where if it's raining outside, they like instinctively just like look up and open their mouth, and they can drown from the rain. Oh, that's horrible. That's how, I think that Noah Fant is kind of like a turkey. He's it's very dangerous for him to look up. Oh, uh, that's true. So you just need that's to throw true. him straight past. He just yep. there's something about it. As soon as he yep. like looks up in the air, he loses his bearings. Even today, he was thrown one, and thankfully he wasn't given an opportunity to catch it because it was out of bounds. But it's it, it's it feels like, like his athleticism goes out of the window the is, second that he starts. It is kind of like a turkey. It's just like kind of like wobble is what came to my mind yeah. when he throws his head up. So, uh, but again, uh, playing much better, not a bust. Uh, just set the Broncos all-time receiving record for rookie tight end. Ten in, games in? In catches and yards. Woo. So he has development to do. Yep. That's okay. That's yep. what happens with rookie tight ends. He isn't perfect. He is very good. And he is a big-time matchup nightmare. Um, from A.J. Smith, is it the roster or philosophy? What is wrong with this team? It was everything in the second half. Over 
the, the main answer is it's the roster. They don't have enough talent to be great. And in the second half, it would it, it was everything. But yes, in, in terms of the three and seven Denver Broncos, it is the roster. They out uh, they out coached them in the in the first half, which is how they got out to twenty zero. It's not that they are more talented than them, you know. They out coached them, and then unfortunately, they got out coached, and they had the less talent in the second half, and that's how you become one of ninety nine. And here's how you become the one percent, Ryan. The final one here coming in from Reed Yancey says, Drew Vember. Yes. Wait. When's Unfortunately, it? no, it'll no. be Drew Sember as... Well, it depends. Do you take practice or do you take the game? No, Drew Sember. Drew Sember. Drew the Sember Broncos play... Third? First. first. All right. Broncos play the Chargers at home on December 1st, or as we will officially call it after next week, Drew Sember 1st. <sighs> Must lose games. <laughs> kind of a good, one of those they good have, old must lose games. They have up. no business winning next week. You can't bench a starting quarterback after a win when you are admitting you're a win now, team. I want to hear a fun fact about Josh Allen. Love fun facts. Josh Allen, in one and a half seasons, has 15 rushing touchdowns. Wow. Pretty crazy, <laughs> oh, right? Wow. That's, I think he has the same amount of rushing touchdowns as Philip Lindsay. No. Yeah, I think Phil had 10 last year and five this year. That's insane. And look what he was also able to do. He was able to beat the Vikings in Minnesota as a huge underdog where the Broncos and Kyle Allen weren't. Or Brandon Allen. Kyle Allen was also terrible today. We do get the Allen Bowl next week. We do. And it's a must-lose game. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap things up there. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, And we will catch up with you tomorrow the DNBR Broncos podcast. the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit, 
then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirits staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.